You're not too warm, right? It's a little warm in here. Okay, so we were just beginning with the text of the second paragraph of Shema. So last week we, I think, ended by talking about um, Rav Schwab on Im Shamoa Tishme'u. It shall be if you shall surely listen uh, to serve Hashem with all your heart and all your soul. And Chazal have told us that Vehaya is a Lashon Simcha. It's a happy, sort of one of those, like a street sign, caution, happiness coming up ahead, you know, in the same way that Vayahi, which is much more famous Chazal for some reason, that Vayahi means something tragic coming up ahead. Like right? But it turns out that vihaya actually tells you look out ahead for happiness. So, kind of tying into that, he said this idea, and then, and it will be this happiness of your listening and serving Hashem with all your heart and all your soul, that the main kavana of a person's prayer should be that through the brachos that a person makes, through the prayers that he offers, Hashem's kvod shemayim in the world should be amplified. All right. Hashem's so, what in the world? Kavod. Hashem's kavod, kvod shemayim should be amplified in the world. All right. That was, that was last time. im. It shall be if. You will listen. And you can stop me if I somehow lost. I, I had not moved my bookmark, so I think I got it to the right place. But if for some reason you find that I'm repeating everything that I said last time we met, you could let me know. Don't look at me because I didn't get a chance to, to listen to the, that. Oh, okay. But I sent, I sent you a link, right? Oh, okay. Fine. Yes, maybe we should just go back a unit. <laughs> There's a recording of the last week. Anyone who wants last week can get it that way. Amplified in the world. It should become greater through the brachos that we make. And he said it, um, he made it in a beautiful way, and he showed how in Shmona Esrei, the fact that we end Shomea Tefillah, and then we go back and we say Ritzei, meaning we're thanking Hashem for hearing our prayers, and then we go back and we say Hashem say, like desire our prayers, desirable, that this was specifically talking about tefillasam be'ahava, when Jewish people say their prayers with love, then, then they are desirable specifically to Hashem, this, this aspect of love. So this is, okay. All right. So the Orachayim on Im, Vahaya Im Shamoatishmeu, if you listen, says, Vahaya Lashon Simcha, Piresh. This explains to us that Vahaya, he's quoting a Chazal, as we now know, is a language, a terminology of happiness. Vitnaihu Hadavar. But this, this happiness that's coming up is on a Tnai. Tonight means it's conditional. That's what the word im just told. That's if. If you listen. The haya im. So it's not just happiness. I have it's happiness if. Im tihia. So what, what would make it happy? Simcha shal mitzvah. 
yesterday, I just said, relax your hand. And she did. You relax your hand. Yeah. You relax it. Okay. If you will have simcha shal mitzvah, v'hu omro, that's how the Pasuk says, im shamoa tishmeu. V'haya, the, the going into the happiness is im shamoa tishmeu, if you listen to do the mitzvos, as Chazal have explained about Shlomo HaMelech's teachings, which is, ula simcha What does simcha do for you after all? Like, why are you looking for so much happiness? The pursuit of happiness. That's your pursuit in the world? But Shlomo makes in one exception to that. What's the aspect of simcha that it does have value? Is the simcha of the mitzvah. This is what Chazal have taught on Shlomo HaMelech's teachings. So he says, this helps us understand the verse, v'haya im If you will listen with simcha, if you will have simcha shal mitzvah, then all of these wonderful things will happen afterward. It sounds so nice, but it's not necessarily so easy to have simcha in a mitzvah. A lot depends on where you're coming from. So I think I've mentioned this before, that um, my husband had received, received different times, different Torah that are, that are given from Rav Naftali Kaplan. Um, they, I mean, he learned from Rav Naftali Kaplan, but they, he didn't used to send around like newsletters with different Torah. So this particular one was talking about the importance of the simcha of the mitzvah and that a person should stop and take, take satisfaction from small achievements even for doing a mitzvah which one is required to do anyway. And the example we gave was putting on tefillin. A person should, you know, a person puts on tefillin, a man puts on his tefillin every day, day after day, and he has to do it, and he doesn't really think of not doing it because, you know, you got to go to shul, you got to with the men, you got to put on tefillin. Okay, so you do it. To stop afterward and say, wow, that was great, good job, I put on tefillin. Like, sometimes there's a, there's a sort of a yetzahara that works against that, that says, I, I can't get credit for that, I had to do it. Like, I only, get, it's only, I only get points, you know, if I do something I didn't have to do, or that was novel, or that was creative, right? And he was, and I was like, whoa, right? Like, if, if I say to myself, that's great, I, I cooked a kosher meal, or I did the shopping, or I made dinner, or <laughs> I davened today, you know, something that, that, well, really, I should do it. And it's a Yetzirah that flips it around, that if we don't do it, we're kicking ourselves, or we're saying, I really should have done it. I'm not so good. I didn't do it. And if we do do it, well, that's the default. We're not allowed to, like, some, we think we're not allowed to rejoice in that. That this Pasuk, in a way, says, you, you should have simcha in the mitzvah. You should have simcha in your mitzvahs. You should, you, you gotta do, yes, you gotta do the mitzvahs. And if not, there are bad consequences. But on the other hand, if you do them, enjoy them. Take pleasure in doing them, and take pleasure in the fact that you've done them. It goes with the fact that everything matters. Everything matters. Yeah. So you look back and Which is heavy. But, the, but this, is the, this is the positive side of that. Yeah. Most of the time it's like, oh, everything matters. Like, I'll be punished for everything, right? But everything matters is on the plus side as well. That, yeah. I, and, and that I should rejoice in that. Not just that I'll be rewarded someday. But I should be happy 
that I did something that was right. I should feel good, just a little pat on the back. One powerful thing about being able to do that is it helps free you from needing other people's praise. Whether it's other people's praise for what you should have done, or even worse, other people praising you for things you shouldn't have done. That's even worse, right? So when you're worried about other people's opinion about how you look or how you behaved or whatever, you know, that can be useful and there's a place for it, but for the most part it tends to be pretty destructive. So when you can tell yourself, that was a good job, well done. When you can tell yourself that, suddenly you don't need somebody else to tell you that. And that's also a pretty powerful self-development ability to be able to free yourself so that it's you and Hashem and not you and the rest of the people around you and all their various opinions. And not even only their opinions, but also your opinion of what their opinion is, which is not necessarily the same thing as what other people's opinions are. They always say, you know, people spend so much time worrying about what people think of them. But that's kind of self-centered. You think that other people spend all their time thinking about you. <laughs> but they probably don't. <laughs> probably don't care so much. Or maybe they do care, but that doesn't mean that they spent all day brooding on your skirt. Okay. <laughs> the Chaim goes on and he says, why does, why does the Pasuk double? And instead of saying, it will be if you listen, it says, Just second. it will be, if listen, you shall listen. Have a door shut in between us. Al das Omram This is in a. This is. Uh, I was say it's in accordance with the Chazal, but you can't say that the Chomish is in accordance with the Chazal. Chazal say, in a similar vein, on the pasuk Yahev Chachmasa Lechakimen. Give Chachma to the wise. So. Which is, and Chazal say, Hashem gives Chachma to those who have wisdom. Hashem gives Chachma to those who are wise. Now, this is, this is a little, can be difficult. Would maybe give wisdom to the people who don't have wisdom. Maybe people who have wisdom don't require wisdom. So you have to give wisdom to the people who, you know. It seems to be a, I think we have a little bit more on this topic. It's, it's a whole separate topic, really, as to why you would give wisdom to the wise. He says this is similar to over here. Im shamoa tishmeu. V'hu omro im shamoa pireshiyelachem lev shomea. If you are a listener. V'haya im shamoa. If you listen. If you have a lev shomea, a listening heart. Az tishmeu. Then you'll hear that somehow we have to take that first step, it comes back down to that Isarusa de la Sata, Isarusa de la Ela, who's taking the first step? And even when we think we're taking the first step, of course, how did we even have the zechus to think of taking the step, to have the strength to take the step, to have the ability to take the step? All those things are still really from Hashem's Shefa anyway, but that we have to take the step to listen. Now this makes sense, because we started by saying, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. We told ourselves, listen. And then, if you listened, if you were able to have a listening heart, then now you're able to start listening. You got your heart to say you want to listen, then you'll listen. We're going to talk a little more about this, I hope, even today.
the Mayam Loe says, if someone involves himself diligently in mastering and remembering what he has learned. In other words, shamoa tishmeu, hear it and hear it again. If a person works to review, not to master it, shamoa, to learn it well, and then tishmeu, to review what he mastered, his understanding will increase. It's not just that by learning and reviewing, you'll hang on better to what you learned, although you will. But by learning and reviewing, you will, you will actually increase your understanding of that which you learned. You think you mastered it, you'll understand even more out of it upon the review. And he will inevitably go on to increase his knowledge. And the same holds true for performance of mitzvos. This is all part of the shamoa tishme'u. If someone applies himself to the mitzvos conscientiously, he will find himself going on to newer and greater accomplishments. So this goes back to that small steps. Just lock something in and do it over and over again. Do it consistently and well. This is uh, Rabbi Goldberg talks about this for, for developing your various roles, right? What is it that if you did it consistently and well would make you excel? You do something over and over again consistently, what the Mayam always is saying a chiddush here, then you will do it better and better, and you will do more things better and better. Rather than trying to take on a big piece, take on something small and review it and do it over again, both in learning and in action. Okay, the Maharal in Gurarie, so it's a Perush on Rashi, addresses the question of why is this paragraph partly in the singular and partly addressing the plural. Mostly it addresses in the plural and partly it addresses the individual. So he says, most mitzvos are actually upon the individual. For example, chala, bikurim, tefillin, tzitzis. But there are mitzvos that are for the community. For example, bringing karbanos, not an individual karban, but things like atomid, right? Building a base mikdash, appointing judges. These are communal mitzvos that the whole community has to do, and this depends on the plural. So he says one way to understand that there's individual and there's the plural command is it's commanding the individual on the individual and the, and the community on the communal. However, that doesn't quite take us far enough because what we have here is a kind of a blend. <laughs> right? We have a blend. It's, it's mixed together, the individual and the community. And the explanation he gives is that this is warning the individual not to rely upon the community for individual mitzvos. So when a person says, it's not such a big deal if I don't do such and such a mitzvah, <coughs> if I don't take challah, lots of people take challah. The world has enough people taking challah, the person might say. 
So I'm not such a davener. Never mind. Lots of people are doing good davening, so it's not me. Right? This idea that the individual will feel that what he does doesn't matter or what he doesn't do doesn't matter, but that specifically that he can depend upon the community. Sorry. That he can depend upon the community to somehow fill in, thank you, what he isn't doing. This is what's being warned here in this paragraph of Shema. You're being warned as a community, but you are also an individual within the community. And therefore, the fact that lots of other people have done this other mitzvah does not absolve you from doing it yourself. Okay, so that seems like, yeah, okay, that's nice. How do you bring that to heart? Right, that doesn't, it doesn't so much touch your heart. Like, okay, fine, so I won't do that. Like, I don't know, do I do that? And then I saw this really fantastic little article in Family First of the Mishpacha several weeks ago, about a month ago, by Miriam, I don't know how she says her last name, Aflalo. She started writing for them, and she does some beautiful things. And she quotes... A sefer called Darche Musser of Rav Yaakov Naiman. I don't know the sefer. And in this sefer, he writes that he heard the following mashal in the name of the son of the altar of Kelim, Rav Nachum Ziv. And the mashal that he gave was this. Sorry, this is like a quote from a quote from a quote. So it's like, here's the mashal. The mashal is that there's a group of people sitting at the table and they're eating and drinking. And everyone's sitting around the table. And everyone seems to be equal and the same, more or less. And you can't tell the difference. When it was time to go, everybody stood up to leave and one man stayed sitting. And it emerged that this man had no legs. So he's sitting at the table, and everyone gets up to go, and he can't just get up and go. So when they're all sitting at the table, it looks about the same. You can't see that this person has no legs. But at some point, which in this case was when it was time to get up and go, then the difference becomes painfully obvious. So Rav Nachum Ziv said, there are people who sit and learn in the same yeshiva as their friends, and you can't tell the difference. There's no big difference. Not there's no difference in their personalities, but learning, like they all seem to be learning well, they're all from, they're all good boys, right? But when they get up to go, and they have to leave the yeshiva, and they go out in the world, all of a sudden, the difference between the one who had legs under him and the one who didn't becomes hugely apparent. Which one can walk on his own two feet and which one cannot? This is the mashal and the nimshal. But now she, take, she took it another step, and I believe that this extra step, well, actually, it's not her. This is, again, quoting Rav Yaakov Naiman in this Darche Musar. This, I think, helps bring the maharal, the Gur'arye that we just read, and make it something inside of our hearts. So he says, in this manner, we can explain the Gemara in Brachos, Lamed Hay. And this Gemara will sound familiar to you because we've actually been 
Remember, we, we touched on it at least once. It was in the Tzidka Satadik, and I said we're going to keep seeing it. It's going to come up again a couple times. The Gemara says, when they do the will of Hashem, their work is done by others. This sounds familiar, right? When they do the will of Hashem, their work is done by others, as it says, and they shall stand and feed your flocks. However, when they do not do the will of Hashem, then you shall gather in your grain. Were you here when we talked about this one? You will gather in your grain. So the, the Gemara says, when the Jewish people do Hashem's will, his ratzon, then others do their work for them. When they do not do Hashem's will, they have to do their own work. As the verse says, quoting what we read in Shema, you shall gather in your grain and your harvest. And the Tosfos asks, the question we should all be asking, you just said that that's referring to when they're not keeping Hashem's will? Because it's pretty clear in this context that that's the case where we are doing the right thing and we are doing the mitzvahs. When you do all the mitzvahs, then Hashem will send rain in the right time and you will gather in your crops. So what do you mean that that's the example of when they're not doing Hashem's will? However, so this is a different explanation from what we read previously from Rav Tzadok HaKohen. He explained this, he, he answered up that question of the Tosos in one way. Here's another way, because this is a really important gemar. They're all important gemars. It is possible that a person is on a high madrega, the madrega of loving Hashem, and is still called one who is not doing the will of Hashem. This is because the second paragraph of Shema speaks in the plural. So this person is fulfilling the Torah when he's together with the group, and the group carries him along. But on his own, he doesn't have his own legs to walk on and will remain in his place. Because it's not coming from the ratzon. It's not the will, which is what carries you. This person is called not doing the will of Hashem because he needs others to carry him along. This could be the intent of the Tosafos that explains when they're not doing the will of Hashem. Okay. And then she takes it. That, that's the end of her quote from the Sefer Darche Moser. She then takes this to the example of living, and she lives in Eretz Yisrael, I think, but really if you're in any, you know, larger Jewish community, which we don't so much live in, large community adjacent, right, where all the advertising, everything that's being sold in the stores is revolving around the different Chagim. So when it comes Hanukkah time, they're advertising for menorahs and selling olive oil and maybe presents and dreidels and Hanukkah gelt. And before Pesach, you know, and all the Pesach food and all the Pesach supplies and the candles for Bidika's chametz. And it comes Purim time and there's all the candy and the baskets, right? So how can you tell if you were able to create an atmosphere of Yontif? Did you create a home that's a Jewish home? Are you creating a home that's a Jewish home that's filled with the anticipation of Yontif and the atmosphere of Shabbos and the atmosphere of Yontif? Or is it possible that you're actually not standing on your own two feet and it is the plural, it is the community that is just carrying you along with the waves to do it? Now, that's a pretty good level. That's a, I mean, you still have the rain in its time and you have harvest to gather. Yeah? But, but it's not the level of 
really doing Hashem's Ratzon because it's not you who's walking on your own two feet who's doing it. It's everybody else carrying you along. Which I thought was like a really, really beautiful bringing down to earth of the Pasuk, the Maharal, right? It, it, this idea that the Yachid is warned that he shouldn't just say that everybody else is doing it and therefore like, because that seems like, well, why would you say that? Well, yeah, like you don't have to work to create a whole atmosphere if the atmosphere just exists. That's one of the advantages of living in Santa Monica. It's that we don't have just the whole world around us. You know, Yom, Erev Yom Kippur and Eretz Yisrael, by noon, the country is almost silent. All the buses stop. Most of the traffic is out of the streets already. It's quiet. And as you go into Yom Kippur, there's this unbelievable hush. But what that means is that you don't have to generate out of yourself an atmosphere of Yom Kippur. It, you can just kind of like soak it up around you, which is great. And by the way, that's a good thing because we're not always in a state where we can be fully 100% doing a great job. So the fact that you're surrounded by other people who together create something bigger than what one person could create is awesome. But there's still this element that, that we have to watch out for. Okay. If you will listen to my mitzvos, Asher Anochi Mitzaveh Eschem Hayom, which I am commanding to you today. So Rashi asks, what do you mean today? What do you mean you're commanding me today? Okay, today is the... 13th of Sivan. Even if this were the year 2448, <laughs> it's a week after the Torah was given to me. And it's not. Right? We're thousands of years later. So what do you mean if you do the mitzvahs which I command to you today? Which mitzvahs are you commanding me today? So Rashi says, quoting the Sifri, they should be upon you new. As if you heard them just today. I think it's significant that it's as if you heard them just today because we keep saying Shema. Shema Yisrael. We're telling ourselves, listen. So I think one thing Rashi is telling us is, what do we mean when we're telling ourselves, listen? We're saying, hear it new. Hear it again, new today. All the other days are behind. Now it's new again. That's consistent with generating. It's nothing by rote. Yes. This idea that the Torah should be given to you and it should be as if new each day. If you listen to the old, you will listen to the new. We mentioned this once before. This is the Rashi also. And this was comparable to, and if you will forget. If you forget, then you'll continue to forget, right? We, me we mentioned that Rashi as well earlier, a few weeks ago. Okay. So Rav Hirsch says, in this vein, every day is to bring us God's command afresh. It's like what you just said. They should never grow stale to us, 
and our enthusiasm for them should remain in an eternal freshness. They should not be in your eyes antiquated ordinances. You shouldn't look and say, well, th those were the old laws, you know, for the olden days. But they should be new and relevant, and we should maintain our enthusiasm for them. I, probably because I had learned this before Shavuos, it jumped out at me a little bit. This is why I was post-it noting all over it, doubting. <laughs> so here, I'll share one of them with you. <laughs> one of the elements that was post-it noted was in the Musaf of Shalosh in the Musaf on Shavuos. So in the Musaf of Shavuos, it's actually quoting Sukkim from the Torah, right? The, the Musaf part that's specific. And it was also the Torah reading, I think, on the second day of Shavuos and maybe also the first day. I think it's both, it's, well, certainly the first day, and I think it might be both days. It's the maftir, okay? Uveyom habikurim. Now, by the way, when I saw that, I suddenly realized, you know, people ask the question, how come Shavuos isn't tied to a date? There's a lot of different answers for that. If you see it in Musaf, it's very striking. Because in Musaf, you have all the different segments, right? If you're, not, if you're using a machzer for Shavuos, it won't jump out. But I was using a sitter. So the sitter has Musaf, and then it says, if it's Sukkot, say this. If it's Cholomoed, say that. If it's, right? Okay. So you see them all next to each other, and you can compare them. And you can see that for Sukkot, it says, on the 15th day of the seventh month, Mikra Kodesh Yelachem. And for Cholomoed Pesach, it says, um, no, sorry, for Cholomoed Pesach, it's added on. For the first day of Cholomite Sukkot, on the second day, on the third day, right, you have this, it becomes very clear that it's tied to the dates. For Pesach, Uvechodesh HaRishon, sorry, on the first day of the month, Ba'arba'asar Yom Lechodesh, on the 14th day of the first month, right, it's very clearly tied to the date. And then all of a sudden you look at Shavuos and it says, Uviyom HaBikurim, on the day you bring Bikurim, what date is that? I don't know. The day you bring them. You'll find out, right? Ask your local Orthodox rabbi, when is the Yom HaBikurim? You'll find out. It's a Masara. Okay. So it was much more striking, just that comment, right? <coughs> Bikurim is the gift that you bring. So on the day that you bring these gifts up to the Beis HaMikdash, Behakrivchem Mincha Chadasha. Oh, you want to know what date it is? I'll tell you what date it is. It's the date when you draw near with your mincha chadasha, with your new korban mincha. Now, pshat in that is that you bring from the new grain on Shavuos, right? That's, that's the mincha chadasha, and now all of, the, all, of the all of the grain from that year is now permitted to eat. You can't use any of the new grain until that korban mincha has been brought on Shavuos. That's pshat. Mincha chadasha, because it's from the new crop of wheat. It's new. When you bring your new korban mincha to Hashem, in your shavuos, your weeks, this should be your holiday. Okay, so I can infer what date that is. 
by going back and checking out my base on the schedule, I could find out what date is that. So it's pretty striking. But I think there's something else that's striking here, which is the definition of Shavuos. What's the definition of Shavuos? The definition of Shavuos is Matan Torah, of course, Kabbalah Torah, receiving the Torah. What's the definition of Shavuos? Bringing a new Korban. Because the Torah should be new to you each day as if you just heard and received it today. So therefore, on Shavuos, what kind of Korban do you have to bring? A new one. Because it has to be new, the newness. Since when do we find, by the way, that the Torah is so into new? Not so much. Well, Rosh Chodesh? Isn't it the day that we start bringing the, the bread instead of the... Yeah, that's the, that is the pshat, that's the mincha chadasha, because it's the new crop. It's the first carbon from the new crop, and that releases that whole crop for use for everybody. Right? But the fact that it's called a new mincha... Yeah, we don't have a glorification of newness in general. This idea that you're going to invent a new way of doing something, that's not necessarily a plus, right? So the fact that Shavuos specifically is tied to this idea of newness, that starts to make sense. Makes sense that the Korban would be specially about an avoda of newness. If the Korban is about newness, that means the avoda is newness. So since the avoda is newness, that makes sense because the giving of the Torah is supposed to be new every day. It's the mitzvah which I'm commanding you today, whatever day that is. That's part of the avoda of Shavuos. So now we're, we're right after Shavuos now. So one way to look at that is what a high, you know, you get the Torah. It is, it's a high, the excitement, if you tie into that avoda of receiving the Torah. It's tricky, because if you look at the big picture, Shavuos is Matan Torah, right? We accept the Torah, we said, we'll do it. But we didn't have, I mean, we heard the Aserah Satibros, so we had that. Moshe stays up now for 40 more days, which gets you to Shavuos Arbetamos and the Chet Egel, and he breaks the Luchos. So what did you get? What did you have, after all, from that amazing Matan Torah? And you have to ask, how could you possibly have gotten between now and, and it's, now it's 30 days from now, whatever, right? How, how do you get from there to the Chet Egel so fast? And then you get to Rosh Chodesh Elul, and then Moshe goes up again, right? And you can get 40 more days to Yom Kippur, and Hashem says, I forgive you, and you get the Luchos again. First of all, it's kind of the story we've been telling all along when it comes to sh the first paragraph and second paragraph of Shema, which is there will be mistakes. Which there will be mistakes. There will be mistakes. Part of accepting the Torah is realizing there will be mistakes, and they will have to be corrected. And the damage done will have to be repaired and healed. But where we get to at the other end of it is somewhere stronger. We do get to Yom Kippur at the end, which is a day of tshuva, the day of being able to repair the mistakes. Tshuva is the awesome miracle 
of being able to repair the mistakes without necessarily have to go, have to go through the whole process of, of kapara with yusurim. With tshuva, you could short circuit that process and you could get kapara through tshuva. That's an amazing thing. But let's take a minute back while we're talking about this idea of the avoda, the musaf of Shavuos. Bring a new korban to Hashem b'shavuos seichem. Shavuos seichem could also mean your oaths, oaths, your vows. In other words, bring a new korban to Hashem. You receive the Torah. That is the moment to make a commitment. When you have that incredible, because you know what happens if you don't? You end up at the Chet Ha'egel. If there isn't, the emo, no matter, the thing about emotions is they fill you up so completely that it is not really possible to imagine ever feeling differently. When you're feeling good, it's difficult to truly imagine that you'll ever feel down. When you're feeling down, it's difficult to imagine you'll ever feel better. That's part of emotions. So emotions are new and exciting, but they don't last. They always, I remember Miriam Adahatton coming and speaking and talking, emotions are like a wave. They rise and they fall. Right? You feel as if they can't change because they're so complete. But the fact is, they always change. They don't, you, it's not possible to hang on to an emotion completely. Therefore, when you're feeling inspired and you feel that emotional uplift, that is the moment to make a commitment. That's how you turn the feeling into action and commitment. And that's how you actually maintain and grow. It doesn't have to be huge commitment, but it has to be consistent. So you take on yourself something really small, but you take it when you're filled with that inspiration, filled with the love. Do you? It's a, I mean, I'm not, I didn't mean to you personally. It's a nice idea. I don't know. I don't know if that's Davka part of Yom Kippur. I suppose it is because Kabbalah al Ha'asid is part of Tshuva. Accepting for the future is part of Tshuva. So yeah, it makes sense. I was just thinking, like, where does that fit in? That's where it fits in, I guess, right? Is I'm going to change. But that's also part of locking into the feeling of it, right? When you feel, I really want to be good. I promise I'll be good from now on. Where, where's your plan? Where's the business plan, right? Show me a plan. It can be very, very small. It can be very, I, I won't use a toothbrush on Shabbos, I'll use mouthwash. Small. Keep it small. Right? Something. I, you once gave a great example. What was it? Taping up the garbage disposal switch or something like that, right? That, it's a plan. It's manageable. It's achievable. But you can do it consistently. Right? When you turn the inspiration into action, and this is the astonishing thing, emotion feels complete. It's a whole world feels full of that emotion, but it never lasts. Action sometimes feels very small, like it doesn't matter, but it's forever. When you say or do something, it is forever.
I saw it in the art scroll, quoting a book that I don't know, called Divrei Shlomo, which I'm sure is probably one of the most profound and fundamental Svarim of Jewish not thought. I just don't know it. Okay. They brought a great quote. We must fulfill the mitzvot as if their fulfillment were possible only hayom, only today. The commandments which I am giving you to do today, which I'm commanding you today, fulfill the mitzvot as if today was your only chance to do them. If we wait for tomorrow, maybe we'll lose the chance. We're mortal. We can never be assured of tomorrow. That's a whole new way of thinking about the mitzvahs which I command to you today. You never come back to the same place. He's, he's saying it very strong, right? There is another side of today and worry only about today. Focus only on today. Now, that's, there, there's negative sides. I mean, this is something that you need to balance when you're a person who only thinks about, well, what's the long term? Then you need to work more on focusing on the day. Some people focus only on the day all the time. So they're constantly in, you know, firefighting crisis management mode. So then, you know, then for these people, perhaps it's not their main focus, right? Which is, and this was also based on a footnote that I saw in the art scroll on Shema, that we shouldn't become frustrated that we cannot possibly achieve total fulfillment or perfection of them. It sounds familiar, right? We <laughs> Funny how the same idea keeps coming up just in different places. It's a good sign that we're on the right track if we keep finding the same ideas along the way. Okay, we shouldn't become frustrated that we can't possibly achieve total fulfillment and perfection of the mitzvot, nor hope to master the entire realm of Torah knowledge. Like the Mishnah and Avos, lo alecha hamalacha ligmor, the task is not yours that you have to complete it, v'lo ben chorin mena, but nor are you free to neglect it. You have to work on it, but nobody's expecting you to finish it, because it's just today. Today, just do what you can do today. You don't worry about, can I do the whole thing? How will I ever achieve seven and a half year cycle of dafyomi? Or whatever your equivalent is. I'll do two halachas a day of Shemir Salashon, and every time I get through half the first chapter, and then I peter out. How will I ever finish? The answer is, just today. The commandment for today is all you need to worry about today. Tomorrow you'll worry about tomorrow. The job is not yours that you must complete it, right? There is a boss. There's a CEO of the company. If you can't complete the job, he'll bring another worker in to complete the job. Don't worry. It's his job, not your job. It's not your responsibility to worry about completing the task. It's not your responsibility to worry about complaining tasks. But nor are you free to neglect it. So the Medrash brings a mashal that there's a boss, there's a person who hires day laborers to fill a huge well with water. And it was futile. I mean, they, they come to this task and they, you know, come to the Olympic-sized swimming pool and they've been handed this garden hose and they're supposed to try and fill, you know, little buckets and, and dump them in. And so some of the workers were foolish, and they said, we are never going to do this job. Maybe we shouldn't bother. Like, I don't know what this boss is thinking, but handing us this little garden hose and we filling up the sand buckets, you know, from the park 
or the beach, and now we're supposed to dump these into the Olympic-sized swimming pool, the job's not going to get done. So maybe we shouldn't bother. This is just a stupid job. It doesn't feel worthwhile. The wise one said, look, I'm being paid every day for my labor. The smaller the hose, the luckier I am. The more time I know that I'll have work. And so what if it doesn't get filled? That's not my problem. That's the boss's problem. If he really cares about filling the pool, then he'll call in a pool man to repair those like faucet nozzle things in the pool that are supposed to fill it at high speed. I don't know. This is, is his problem. Do I care if the pool is really full? Not so much. Is it nice to have the satisfaction of a job well done? Yes. So maybe I have to get my satisfaction not from the completion of it, but from the fact that I did my good day's work. I did my good day's work and I'll get paid for it. That's where my satisfaction comes from. Not from whether the task got finished or not, because it's not really my problem. And the bigger the job, the more grateful I am, because I'm assured of a job for a long time. Think about it. The more overwhelming the tasks are that we've been given, the better. You need a very long life to work and make a dent on that project, you know? So he'll have to, he'll have to keep... He'll have to keep you on payroll for a really long time then. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to mankind, study and observe mitzvot daily, day by day, and you will be rewarded on that basis. Your reward is not calculated by the fact that you didn't do more. Today. This is probably similar to the Pasuk Baruch Hashem Yom Yom. Bless God day by day. And be blessing for God day by day. Right, Baruch. If you will listen, Asher, to my mitzvos, Asher Anochi Mitzvahs Ham Hayom, which I'm commanding you today, to love as Hashem Elokechem, to love Hashem your God with all of your hearts, and all of your souls. The Rambam says, in Mor Nevuchim, I think we've brought this Rambam before. The Rambam says in Mor Nevuchim, the purpose, let me see if I can... This is the Das Chachmo Moser of Rav Yerucham Levovitz, second chilek, page 63. Hine HaRambam Kasav, the Rambam has written, Shetachlis Kol HaTorah Kula, that the purpose of all the mitzvahs in the Torah is, Zosomeres HaTolada, which means not the purpose, meaning why do you do it, but the outcome the pre, the fruit, the, he's, the word tachlis, okay, tachlis is a funny word. We usually mean it as purpose. What's the tachlis? Like, what's the objective? Tachlis also me means really more like the goal, the end point. Kol, like the word all, 
right? So the tachlis is the all, meaning what happens when it's all done? What are you aiming at? So what he's saying here is understand the Rambam as saying what's the outcome, the end result. Because you can't say this is the purpose for doing Torah and mitzvahs is not what the outcome is, right? The purpose for doing it is that Hashem said to do it. Yeah, but there's an outcome of all of Torah and mitzvahs. The pre hayotzeis mikiyum kol mitzvos, the fruit that is born of doing all the mitzvos, who avas Hashem is the love of God. Kedirtiv, as it says, v'haya im shamoa tishmeu al mitzvosai, it shall be if you will surely listen to my mitzvos, asher anochi mitzavas chem hayom, which I am commanding you today, le'ahava, to love. That will be the outcome of doing all the mitzvahs of the Torah that Hashem is commanding us. That the end result which comes out of it all, he avas Hashem, is love of God. So the more you do the mitzvahs, the more you Right. So this, I just have to mark this because there's another point that he makes here, which is very similar to a different point I was thinking about. It doesn't. Um, okay, I'm going to go now to, I'm going to quote now the continuation of this idea, but from the Ha'aras Hatvila, because I'm not seeing it so quickly here, and that's Das Chachmon Musar. Now, this point of the Rambam that the end result, the outcome of all mitzvos is love of Hashem, is the opposite of what we would have thought. Why? Because we would have thought that when a person loves Hashem, kind of what we were talking about, right? You feel inspired, lock it in with a commitment. When you love Hashem, then you keep the mitzvos. Because you love Hashem and you're so inspired, therefore you will keep the mitzvos. But if we look at what the Rambam is saying, he's telling us the opposite. He's saying that every mitzvah molida behechrech gargir shel avas Hashem. Every mitzvah gives birth to a, a seed, a, a, a hook of love of God. And keeping all 613 mitzvos Perforce leads us to complete love of God. The reason there are 613 mitzvahs is because by fulfilling all of them, or all the ones that are relevant to who you are, then you come to complete love of God. Each one is another little hook. That's similar to the Orchaim, uses very different language, but a similar concept. Right? The Orchaim talks about how every mitzvah ties the parts of the body that are related to it to the spiritual reality and closeness to Hashem. Very, very much the same idea, just a whole different vocabulary for talking about it. So it, based on that, it seemed that women need less. To women need the mitzvahs that they need, and men need the mitzvahs that they need, right? I don't, I don't know, presumably. Women also have mitzvahs that men don't do altogether. Right? There, there's some, some areas it's different and some areas it's less. But that, that's one of the explanations for Shalsani Kirtzano. When a woman says a blessing, thank you for making me a woman, what does she say? For making me in accordance with your will. There are aspects that a man has to perform mitzvahs in order to make himself be aligned with God's will, where a woman has been created in accordance with that will already. She doesn't have to do certain mitzvahs because she is already in alignment with that will. 
that's pshat and shalsani kirtzano, that you've made me according to your will, rather than I have to do something to get according to that will. There's enough mitzvahs to go around. All right. This reminds us a little bit of Ayehav Yitzchak as Rivka, right? Yitzchak loved Rivka. It says he married her and he loved her. So one of the things we learn out from that he married her and then he loved her is that when somebody chooses to marry someone, that's not really coming from love. It's coming from other aspects of emotion. It might even come from a degree of seichel, if you're lucky, right? That you could see this as a person who wants to build a Torah home and you want to build a Torah home and together you've got the same goals and ideals and whatever it is. Right? That could be like from the Seichel side. You could be attracted to the person. You could love being with that person. But the love it develops after the process of being married and doing for one another. And that's why Yahav, to give, is related to Ahava, to love. Right? This is this idea of Bikurim, right? Bringing the gifts. So this idea that love develops through the caring actions of the mitzvos. It's the same principle here, according to the Rambam. That through doing the mitzvos, you come to love Hashem. And you love him in different ways depending on the mitzvos you're doing. So doing all the mitzvos brings you to more complete love. Which is not really in contradiction to what we said, which is when you have the moments of inspiration, take the commitment, because that's what will lead to the long-term love. Okay. So here's... Many commentaries say, this is from an article also that was in Mishpacha, about the mitzvah of loving Hashem. Many commentaries say that the mitzvah of Avas Hashem does not demand love per se, because love cannot be forced. Rather, it instructs us to engage in practices and develop attitudes that will arouse our love. This is why, this says the Orachayim HaKadosh, is why the verse of Ve'ohavta is followed by the words, V'hayu hadvarim ha'ele, asher anochi metzavecha hayom alavavecha. These words which I command you today, you shall place them on your heart. To get to Ve'ohavta, you have to place the Torah's words on your heart. We talked about this in Ve'ohavta, right? The Torah says, Ve'ohavta is Hashem al-kecha b'chol levavcha b'chol nafshol b'chol me'adecha. How do you do that? V'hayu hadvarim ha'ele, asher anochi metzavecha hayom. Do the, learn Torah. Right? So this is right? You do this by serving him, by doing the mitzvahs. He must be constantly alert to the cues in his life that can awaken this love. And the love that ensues is Hashem's reward for his efforts. Which I think is a really awesome thought. That when you feel love of Hashem, that's a reward for the effort you put in. That's a really awesome thought. Okay, I think we'll stop here. Uh, you know, you know what? One more point I want to make from this article, but I don't want to go on to the next group of words yet.
Rav Schwab says, each person is to think, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created me, although he did not need me. The world existed previously without me and will continue to exist after me. And even more, we love him because he created each and every one of us with the potential of earning eternal life. And this is... This is connected. I'm trying to think where we, we saw this very recently. At the end of Masila Sishar. Right? This was, I think, I said this on Shabbos. Which is the design? I think it was Mr. Shishan. I don't get that he didn't need me. I thought that each of us had a mission. That we we do, but so. but he he could take care of it, right? He doesn't. God did not create us to fulfill a mission because he required us to do it. He has many and infinite possible solutions for anything he wants to have done. His need for us is only an expression of his love for us. It's giving us an opportunity to have love for him and to be close to him and to be the one. It's an honor to be entrusted with the fulfillment of his ratzah. This is something we have been talking about a lot lately. This idea that, that, was, that started, we started, started talking about it, I think, at Pesach time. The idea that when a person gives a bracha or when a person, veheye bracha, Hashem said to Abraham, you will be a bracha, right? Hashem can implement his will in more numerous ways than we can contemplate. When he allows us to deliver his will, when we're the one who gets to feed the hungry person, when we're the one who says the right thing that makes somebody feel better, when we're the one who, who gives somebody a ride and helps them get where they need to go, that's, that's an honor to be entrusted with the delivery of God's will to the world. That's because he loves us. That's a sign of his love, that we have a mission. Okay, I'm not finding the source. I was pretty sure it was here, but maybe not. Which was this idea. That each thing yearns toward its, the parent is not the right word, towards its source. The part, the prat, the part yearns toward the source where it comes from. And therefore, the person, we yearn for, our souls yearn to be connected back to Hashem because that is the source of the soul. This is, one, this is a level of the love. There's another level of love that builds on top of that, which is what the Nesiva Shalom calls irrational love, because it's not coming from something rational. It's just infatuation. And this is similar to a Rambam. Here I only have the English, but as I recall, we read it from the Rambam once a while back from the Hebrew, probably in the beginning of Shema. The Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva describes the highest level of Avas Hashem as a state of constant devekus, of clinging, clinging. He shall love Hashem with a great and fierce love to the extent that his soul is bound up with this love. 
you can hear already, all your heart, all your soul. He shall contemplate it constantly like someone who is lovesick and can't take his mind off the woman who's the source of his love. That's, that's the highest level of love of God where you can't get him off your mind. So the way that you correctly get to this is through performing the mitzvahs. He cannot take his mind off the woman who is the source of his love, whether he is sitting or walking, drinking or eating. Even more than this shall Avas Hashem pulsate in the heart of those who love him. This type of single-minded, ecstatic love is Hashem's ultimate gift to an individual who has spent his life yearning for it seeking for it, working for it, and enjoying it, delighting in it. Which brings us back to where we started, which is the Simcha Shal Mitzvah. The Vahaya Im Shamoat If you inject into it that Simcha, that's saying, I'm so happy to do it because I'm trying to build that relationship. I want to do it because it's God's will. Then the reward for that is the love. That overwhelming love. That's the outcome. And this is the Rambam, that this is the outcome of all the Torah and the mitzvahs, is that a person falls in love with God. It's also the beginning of this. What's the purpose of life? Is lehisanig. That's enjoyment. The enjoyment comes from the love. The enjoyment comes from the the love and the clinging, yeah. Rambam is talking about this world. Rambam is talking about this world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, that's the end of Mesilas Yasharim, right? Where he says that the person is walking in this world, and it's as if they're walking before Hashem at the same time. Okay. Um,